I'm Bianca Cotton, host of Behind the Confidence Smile. And today I have special guest Ursula Harris here with me. Thank you for being here. Absolutely. We are going to be talking about her first love and love loss and the motherhood journey post losing your first love. Yes. So if anybody out there has lost their first love, this is for you. <laughs> All right, Ursula. Like, let's go back. When we say first okay. love, okay. How did you all meet? Oh my God. So we were in high school. Um, I had messed up in math class. And so I ended up having to uh find another school to mm-hmm. take night classes so I can make up the credit. Because my mom was not having it when you not graduate no time. And that's something I, I didn't want for myself anyway. So I had found this school online. I mean, I, you know, searched it out. And I ended up going to that school to mm-hmm. take my class because it was it was much cheaper than all of the other places. And so I met him there. Mm, and, <laughs> and the rest was history. And the rest is history. Yeah. So you met him there. Yes. But how did you all connect after So basically, he would stare me down in class (laughs) every single time we came. I think we went like twice a week. And um, I had no business being there anyway because I was good at math. I don't know. I went there and I aced it. So I would always raise my hand. And then the teacher would end up calling me up to the to the board (laughs) to like write the problems out. I'm like, oh, God, I don't want to do this. And then I would turn around. He would just be gazing up at me like <laughs> it was just so tripped out. And so then we had to um, go into the auditorium, I guess, to finish signing up because it was right t- at the beginning uh, when when the classes first started. So we had to go in the auditorium and get all of our paperwork. And he handed me his phone number. <laughs> and I looked down. I'm like, what is this? And so he was like, it's my number. Call me. And so... <laughs> The rest was history. I waited a while to call him. I think I called him once and he didn't answer. And so next thing I know, he continued to call me. But it was at the time, you know, it was back in the day. It was probably like in the early, what, late night. Uh, it wasn't even 2000 yet. And so we were, we didn't have in cell phones. I was about yeah, to say, Yeah, we was in the 90s. Yeah, so, so we, did, we had house With phones. the uh, circular cord. Yeah. <laughs> And it was a little short cord, and the, the phone happened to be by my mama's bedroom door. <laughs> so we would sit on the phone for hours every single night. Every single night. We and y'all talk. high school age. High school age. <laughs> and my mama would come out the room at 2 in the morning. I don't care how long you've been on that phone. You going to school in the morning. You know, and so um, it would be so... I didn't care. I was getting in trouble all the time. But I just... We just connected, like... Talked every single night. I mean, hours. You know, I held up the phone and stuff like that. So, yeah, that's kind of how we built uh, our relationship. And it just, he would always play this song called uh, Separated. <laughs> that Abad and Kiki. <laughs> and, like, that was our song. He would play it. Oh, he had just had it on repeat. <laughs> and I'm like... We were falling in love, but why was our song separated? Mm. Like, it was like, oh, okay, the irony. Like, it was just stripped out when you th- when we thought about it later. Yeah. I remember mentioning it, it to him, and he would just laugh. So, yeah, that's kind of oh, how our funny. journey started. <laughs> so, how did you know you were in love with him? Oh, my God. It was just, 
it was just the way I felt. So he wasn't my first boyfriend. I had a boyfriend prior to him, um, but I was still young. But the relationship with him and I, it just blossomed because we got so close and to the point where our family started intertwining. Mm -hmm. Like we would go to his mom's house for dinner. They would come over to our house sometimes and stuff like that. And so it was just like, he would pick me up. He would have his cousin to drive up to my house and get me all the time. It was just like, he grabbed hold of me and didn't let me go. (laughs) So it's like, I had no choice, but no, it was just, it was just a, we just connected and Mm -hmm. we became like family, you know, like it was just like, that was my person. Mm. So, yeah. That's beautiful. <laughs> so sweet. Yes. Right? Yes. Um, and the reason why I brought up the house phone piece for anybody who may be younger, like uh-huh. teenage age listening to yeah. this conversation, like no, no house phone, no cell phones, like None. no social media. Right. Nope. It was strictly You phone were interacting. Yes. yes. That's how you really get to know people anyway. And so, yes, we were on the phone. Wasn't no texting back then. Right. You had to talk. <laughs> yep. Yep. Absolutely. So what happened next in you all's relationship as time? went on so as time went on um and we were still like we were still in high school I ended up getting pregnant we went to prom together mm-hmm. and then kind of like after prom I ended up getting pregnant and we had our our first child um our first son together who is now 22 years old so that wow. was like so long ago and it was just a lot of ups and downs um we were two like on the outside looking in you know we were like two different people you know uh he was kind of the bad boy you know (laughs) and I was like the church girl and so it it just kind of like I don't know we just our worlds just intertwined and everybody you know a lot of people would think like how y'all together? Y'all so opposite. But they had no idea of how similar we were. We were. Mm. Like, we really built in our private time. I mean, we would, like, I, I sing. So we would sing together. Like, he would be so silly with me. We would sing. We would make up songs. Because <laughs> we lived, we ended up getting an apartment together, and we moved mm. in together. And we would just write music. I would write music. Oh, he wow. would sing with me. And it was just, we had like so much fun together like Mm -hmm. it was just amazing um you know and even in his you know the lifestyle that he lived he still would always be like you just make me want to change you know you just really make me want to change like I I'm outside and I'm doing stuff I probably don't have no business doing but I'm rushing in the house to get on the phone with you Mm. and so you know we would always we just always like we were inseparable we were inseparable for a great period of time. And um yeah, it was it's actually great. Like I'm thinking of I think my mind is really going back to just how much time we actually spent together at such a young age. Right. Because I was like, <laughs> yeah. uh, apartment together. How yep. long did you all live together? So we lived together um for I think because we had two apartments together so we lived together I didn't keep that apartment long the first one it was a short time it was under a year and then um about three years later we ended up getting another place together and we stayed Mm -hmm. together for a couple of years and so you know as time went on we kind of started to like drift apart grow apart Um, we had our son and it you know I felt like the relationship just started to shift other Mm -hmm. things got in the way you know um, and it just kind of, I wanted, as I got older, I wanted him to 
you know, change. I wanted mm-hmm. him to, you know, be the man that we always talked about him being. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, as as time went on, I just was like, this is not what I want for my life anymore. You know, I want you to to change. And so he would agree to change. But then, you know how they'll get comfortable and <laughs> right. you let them back and, and in. Back. And then they revert back to what they're, what they're used to. Mm-hmm. And so as I, ended, you know, got older and I had another child 10 years later, which was a girl at that time, I was like, you know what, I have to do what's best, you know, mm-hmm. for for our kids. Like, I can't allow them to see us in, because the relationship kind of got toxic. Um, just as, as we're growing and he's getting deeper into the things that he was doing, you know, in the streets and stuff like that, it just kind of um, drove a wedge in between our relationship. Mm. How did that make you feel knowing, like, this is a person that I connected so well with, even though from the outside looking in, we are from two different worlds, but have so many similarities and one in the best for him, but he's not changing. So you, 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 you made a decision to go separate ways. How was that for you? It was so tough because if I hadn't have made the decision, we would have just stay in dysfunction forever, you know, because mm-hmm. he would always say, I'm never letting you go. I don't care what happens, <laughs> what I do, you know. And, and for a long time, I allowed the back and forth because I really, you know, when when somebody, when you're in love and you guys have those mm-hmm. pillow talk conversations and, you, you know, your heart is there. And for those things not to pan out or you don't see those things happening, eventually I started to get tired. Mm. And um, I had just to make I had to make a decision that was best for me, and so, you know, we had we had rough times, and it was just like I can't you know keep dealing with the ups and downs of this relationship, and so, you know, I just I had to make a tough decision, and it was very hurtful because when you build your you know your mind is set on this person, you feel like this is your soulmate, this is the person that you're going to be with. And then for that not to happen, you know, but I always held on to the hope that eventually, like, maybe if I just completely let go, be done, you know, maybe he will, that'll prompt him to change. And so, yeah, I mean, we, we had such an, like, we were so in love. Like he had my entire face tattooed on his chest, Mm. my entire, (laughs) my entire face. And I remember, um, you know, he told me one time, like a couple of weeks before he passed, he says, I still have your face on my chest and I'll never remove it. Mm. I'll never remove it. And I'm just like looking at the phone like, oh, my God. Like, And I had no idea that it would just be a short amount of time before he was no longer here. Right. Mm. So prior to his passing, uh, we talked about off camera that he was... Um, in prison for some time. Yes. Incarcerated. Yes. Um, at that time, and you all's journey, were y'all, uh, up, were y'all in relationship? Or was that the time where you was like, I'm done, and now he's... So he kind of went to prison a couple of times. So the first time um, he went, we were um, we were together, and then we ended up breaking up mm-hmm. because I found out some stuff like you're cheating, <laughs> you're doing this, you're doing that, and so I was like, you know what? Why am I holding on to somebody that's doing all of this stuff, and I'm trying to be here to support you, and I find mm-hmm. out all of this stuff, and so I decided to let go, and uh, for a period of time, and then when he came home, 
things went back. You know, he kind of came back, won me back over. And then we ended up um, having another, you know, I got pregnant. That's when I got pregnant um, again. And so after that particular time, when I got pregnant again, he went back to prison. Mm -hmm. And we were together that whole time, like, you know, talking on the phone every, you know, he would call me, you know, and we continued to... um, you know, he of course when when guys are usually when they're incarcerated, they have they they have all of these great things that they're gonna do, and they fill your head with all of this stuff. And I believe at the time he meant it, mm-hmm. but then it's a different story when freedom comes into place. And so when he came home, um, things just weren't what he said, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just like keep waiting though. You know, he wants me to keep holding on, and I'm just like, I cannot continue to hold my life up waiting for you to get it together. And so um, when he came home that last, the last time we weren't um, necessarily together. And then it was just a short time after he came home that he passed. Mm. And at the point that he passed, how old were you all's children? Oh man, they were four and uh, 15. Mm. Four and fifteen. Um, my daughter was turning five, three weeks about three weeks after his passing. Mm. And what was life like with this sudden change and oh the dreams being shattered? Yes, because you know we were still holding on to the hope. I, I know, especially the kids. You know because. I don't care what your parent does. You want your parent. You want your mom and your dad. You want them to get it together. So especially for my son, because he was 15, he was in his sophomore year of high school. Mm-hmm. It was like everything that he held on to, all of the dreams, all of the hopes. Because, you know, when got, when when he was calling from prison, he was telling them all of this stuff and painting this beautiful picture that they just, they adored. They kept this picture in the forefront of their minds. And so... When he came home and then he ended up passing not long after that, it shattered them. It was devastating, especially mm-hmm. to my son, because I took him to, you know, I took both of them to see him in the hospital. And um, my son was like numb. He mm-hmm. didn't even say he couldn't believe it because he was so used to seeing his dad being up and big and strong. And so now you're seeing him laying in a hospital bed. It was devastating. He pretty much shut down. He continued to go to school every day, but he wasn't there. Mm -hmm. You know, he was physically there, but mentally he had checked out. And I knew um, that he was like God had already showed me and kind of like was trying to prepare me for it. So I had already had counseling set up for them. And so like the days after he passed, we were sitting in a uh, therapy session. And my daughter was so small, she didn't really know what was she didn't really, it didn't, she didn't, it didn't, she didn't wrap her mind around it. You know, she mm-hmm. wasn't old enough to really understand because she was four. So I just remember her sitting on the floor playing with blocks or playing with some stuff. And my son is just sitting there looking at the counselor like, I just want my dad back. I don't want to talk to anybody, you know. So it mm-hmm. was like, even though I tried to take them to counseling, it didn't, it wasn't the right time. And that's just not what they wanted. You know, my son didn't want that. He wanted his father. And so it was so tough. It was so tough. Um, After he passed, they cried every night for six months straight. Mm. Every single night. 
What's up, Chicago? I'm Darius Caffey, and I invite you to join me for our season finale episode of The Table On Air with our first returning guest and our show creative director, Terrell Stanley. You are one of the large reasons that I came out to my parents is because I was in love with you. Join the conversation with us on Tuesday, December 5th at 7.30 p.m. on CanTV Cable Channel 19, streaming on CanTV.org and available on the CanTV Plus app. Experience the power of community television. So I'm trying to aid one kid and then the other kid come in in the room and fall out, and the other kid is crying. I mean, everything reminded them of their father, like, whatever. It would just be, we would just be driving down the street or at the store, and somebody bursts mm-hmm. out crying. You know, my daughter would be at school, and she's four years old, and they're texting me or they're calling me saying she's on her cot, balled up in a fetal position, and she won't she won't move. Mm-hmm. And so I would have to get on the phone with her or sometimes maybe go and get her and you know, it was just, I, I was like, I didn't even have a chance to deal with how I felt mm. because I was so busy trying to be, you know, what they needed from me. Right. And I was trying to shield them from the pain that was inevitable for a mm-hmm. long time, you know. And it got to the point where I just had to let them feel. Yeah. So Create it was the space for Yeah. Because as a mom, you know, we want to fix it. We want to mm-hmm. fix it for our kids. We want to, you know, be fixers and make sure everything is together and make sure. But this was something I could not fix. And that was devastating to me. That was mm-hmm. such, I mean, so many things went through my mind. I was angry. I was sad. I was hurt. I was very emotional. Yeah. And it was a new ground for me. It was a new territory. I had never done this before. And then my mother had passed four years prior, so I didn't have my mom to lean on to help me through this time. So it was so new and just different. Mm-hmm. When did when did you get to a point where you took a moment to start grieving for yourself? Oh, <laughs> oh man. It was... It was probably a year or so later. I mean, it mm. was if if that, because I was like, I had just gone through counseling pretty much for my mom, you know, because mm. she'd passed four years prior to him in the same month. And so I had finally come to grips with her passing. And so I ended up in therapy because for a long time I tried to run from the pain of that. And so to have done all of this work in therapy, to have allowed God to heal my heart from her, you know, death. And and really he had to minister to me uh, to the deep places of my heart Um, because, you know, losing your mother, you'll never stop needing her. And so to have gone through all of that work, done all of that work to get to that healed place, you know, and then I get hit with this four years later. It was like after those six months of carrying them through, I became numb. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I was almost becoming bitter because I'm like, God, why is this my life? Like, mm-hmm. why am I dealing with this? Why am I, you know, hurting this way? And so it was like I had to start facing me and I had to start dealing with the way I felt. So I ended up back in therapy. Because I felt like I had just worked to be, overcome depression, and here it was, everything again. was coming back again. Right. And so, um, <laughs> oh, God. And so just thinking back, it's mm-hmm. just, it was nothing but the grace of God that literally kept me in that time. 
because mm-hmm. I couldn't have. Nobody could. Nobody, you know, nobody. Mm-hmm. Just thinking back, it's just like I had nothing and nobody mm-hmm. to rely on but God. And, uh, you know, so I thank God for my mother keeping me in church because even though, you know, I met him and he was a bad guy and I was this church girl, but that that foundation was so important for me mm-hmm. in that time. <laughs> so, oh. And so it was very vital that I just really leaned on my father, mm-hmm. you know, my father and um, counseling. To, to try to not lose my mind because mm-hmm. I still had kids to raise. You know, I still had to be there for them. I still had to be strong for them. And now looking at the fact that they'll never have their father ever again. Mm-hmm. That was not the way I envisioned my life. You know, I, I've mm-hmm. never envisioned my life to be that way and to um, take, you know, have kids to have to go through something so devastating. Yeah. So it was a journey. It was it was tough. It was a tough journey. But I had to face it. Mm. So, yeah, um, looking dead in the face with my pain. What what does that feel like to face your <sighs> pain? Because, <laughs> I mean, escapism it can be easy, right? Um, yeah. Falling into <clears throat> drugs, yeah. alcohol. Yeah. Um, Anything, right? Yeah. Uh, food. Yep. Yep. Uh, Addictions. Yep. Any type of addiction. It was like to the point where I've always had, you know, a glimpse of who I was in God. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I've always had that. Like, I knew that God had something on my life, so I could not fall into addiction because um, I had seen addiction all my life, and I saw what it did mm-hmm. to people. My father was an addict throughout my childhood, so... I knew that wasn't the route for me. I had never been a heavy drinker or anything like that. And so at at some points I would gravitate towards other people. You know, I would try to gravitate because I just wanted to feel that void. And Mm. that feeling of being alone was so heavy that I avoided it, you know, for a long period of time. But then when you realize that the more you run, the harder it comes on your back. Cause it's like on your neck, like right. you can't get away from me. And this is something you have to face. And that thing came right in my face and said, here I am. And so it forced me to deal with my reality. Mm. My reality was that I had no mom and the father of my children was gone. They were gone forever. And although I had always taken care of my children, you know, on my own, it was just like, now he'll never be in the picture again. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It was just like that hard reality that this is, you know, this is real, this is real life. This is real life. And even, you know, moving on in different relationships, they'll never have their father. Right. And that just, that stung so bad. Does does it still sting? Um, y- yeah, because it's like the person that you raised, you had these children with, the person that they look just like, <laughs> you know. And the person that you love. The person that I loved is not here to carry out the things that we established when we were 16 and 17 and 18 <laughs> and 20 years old. And, you know, yeah. all of those years, he's not here. And I was just looking at his picture yesterday, like. Mm-hmm. 
I can't even believe you're not here. I cannot believe that you're not here anymore. Like, you know, sometimes I'm able to just go with the flow of life. And then sometimes you look at life and you're like, you know, the people that you started with, the people that you thought would always be there. You know, we always, we know in the back of our minds that we all have to leave in one day, but right. just so soon, you know, mm-hmm. <sighs> in the mm-hmm. things that my kids have dealt with just over the years, I always say, I wonder what it would be like if he was here, you know, yeah. if I could call him, if he was in the house with us, if he was, a va- you know, like how would things be different? Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I, I deal with that. It, it's It's rough. It's rough, you know, mm-hmm. because my daughter, they still have their moments. My yeah. daughter still has moments where I walk in her room and she's crying. Yeah, She still sleeps with the same teddy bear that she got from her grandmother when he passed. It's been mm-hmm. seven years. She still sleeps with that same bear every night, everywhere she goes. She takes it with her. Yeah. Hmm. Ursula, Ursula. <laughs> I know. Yes. As we... um come to a close of our conversation in this moment what wisdom words of encouragement advice would you give to another woman who may be in a similar position oh my god I would say you gotta face it you gotta face your reality because the longer you try to get away from it the longer it takes to even get through it um, you'll never get over it. I think you'll you'll always have that desire for that person or that you know that want for them to be there. But allow yourself to feel. So that's what facing it means. You're facing your reality. You're facing your emotions. You're facing that today is not a good day. You're you're mm-hmm. allowing yourself that space to grieve. You're allowing yourself that time in life to take a step back. Maybe you can't be super mom this season of your life. Maybe you can't take the kids to all of their activities. Maybe they got to take a break from some things while you heal. Mm. Allow yourself that space because as parents, as moms especially, you know, we're we're there. And so we have to find that that time for us. And what I did was I created a space for myself. I had to because at first I was just everything for the kids. I'm moving for the kids. I'm moving for the kids. And then God had to show me like, Think about what Ursula needs. Mm-hmm. And what I needed was like a peaceful day, like a, a, a day where I did nothing. Or at six o'clock, I would shut down and say, hey, I'm going to my room. Nobody bothers me. And I had that understanding with my kids. So I would just say, allow yourself to feel and know what you need mm-hmm. and be intentional about getting what you need. So if it's a walk every day for 30 minutes, get it. If you need a break and you need to trust somebody, learn how to trust people with your children so you can get a break. You know, don't try to do it all because you'll end up breaking down. Mm-hmm. And then you're, you're no good for the kids that you're trying to raise. You'll end up hurting them in the process because you're, you'll be so broken and so frustrated and worn out that you, you may just break them. Mm. Mm. Ursula, Ursula. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Uh, Truly, thank you for um, sharing. Thank you for opening your heart. And and thank you for your vulnerability and and willingness to say, 
I face my reality, mm-hmm. and here it is. Yes, yes, mm. absolutely. All right, y'all. <laughs> Thank you for being here um, with us today, and take care. <laughs>